So I'm going to go into the intro now. All right. Get it. Thank you for listening to Hip Squared. I'm your co-host, John Beecham. And I'm Troy Kramer. This is American Fantastics Pop Culture Podcast, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? Uh, I've been doing all right. It's been a good weekend. Went home for a few days. Um, what else did I do? I got a washer. Or, yeah. No, a dryer. Some I got a dryer. Adult things. I know. Um... <laughs> So when you're a kid for Christmas, you know, you get that toy. Mm-hmm. So excited to get the new N64. Man, was I pumped. My parents were like, Troy, do you want us to help you pay for part of a dryer? Yeah. Well, I mean, dryers come in really handy. Um, I have two right now. I was actually, um, we were planning on giving Troy the dryer. My wife Kelly and I bought a house last year, and we wanted to give Troy the dryer that came with the house. And then we figured out when we were about to detach it from everything that it's a gas uh dryer because that's how old the house is that's how old the house is (laughs) so he couldn't get um he couldn't get a yeah so we couldn't give it to him but thankfully our ben evelyn parents were able to help gift him one for christmas yeah they did still give me the washer though yeah so i've had the washer for like (laughs) for like three actually it's like five months now yeah but i just haven't had a dryer so i've been having to pay quarters to use the dryer around here oh man that's such a and you know like when you're paying quarters to use dryers in a public place, it's not usually like it is in sitcoms where you have interesting encounters with people in no. the washroom. Have you ever had an interesting encounter in like the public? Um, I, well, I've had I've had interesting encounters. None of them have been good, but yeah. like the, the, you'll run into you'll run into people, especially the uh, there was the laundromat down by uh, Louisville's campus. Mm. So I would go there all the time when I was uh, living at the Oak Street apartment. Um, because we didn't know anybody that had a washer and dryer. Our apartment didn't have a washer and dryer, so we couldn't even go there. So we went down to the laundromat, uh, by campus and, man, I'm trying to think of a, this is horrible because I'm going to say that there's interesting stories, but I just can't think of any right now. You just run into like the strangest people. Like there were people that, there was one guy there that had never used a uh, a washer before and somebody was showing them how to use it. Oh, wow. So I guess he was like an immigrant or or somebody that, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So he'd come, like he had come, immigrated in, just didn't know how to use it. So they had some, one of the staff there, somebody else that was doing laundry, Mm -hmm. uh, helped show him how to use it. That's really cool. That's very generous of them. I have had a washer and dryer either at my apartment or um, since I first moved away from Louisville. And um, I'm glad I do. See, I always, yeah, I was always hoping for, like, when you see TV shows, like, The Big Bang Theory has a lot of scenes with people downstairs in the drying room mm-hmm. and um, Johnny Galecki's character, I guess that's Leonard, is yeah, talking to Leonard. the girl, the cute blonde girl. Um, can't remember her name. Penny. But yeah, Penny. Thank you, Troy. I, I don't remember her <laughs> actress, actress's name, so that's horrible. But No, it's okay. But like, you always uh, see people in those kinds of situations, and I guess that's kind of like one of those situations that happens in sitcoms and movies, but never in real life. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you can um, prevent that. Like, you won't ever have to be in an awkward conversation with somebody in the washer-dryer room, but I guess that's like a situation that never really um happens anyway i'm trying to think of the other because you're right because that's that's definitely one of the places and i'm trying to think of the other places that happens mm-hmm. in movies and, oh, and like yes it comes where they it's like oh the soup shop that's, yeah that's a classic right yeah like meeting 
up with people. I guess people do meet their friends at um, like soup shops and restaurants. But like, I guess one of the things that um, yeah, there's like so many uncinematic things that I feel like happen way more often at those like public gathering places or like like coffee shops and things. Like, you you very rarely will see a character just kind of like studying or um, like working on something unless it's like I guess they get interrupted and that's the exciting yeah. part. Yeah, well, you'll get the and and you know it's it's what's good TV. Yeah, you'll never you'll never get the uh, the guy that's sitting in line or standing in line in Starbucks and looking at his phone the whole time yeah. unless something happens on the phone. I know, but yeah, you know, when you get twenty minutes of TV, I guess you you have to you know only talk about the interesting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have those conventions that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. Keep the narrative going. Yep, TV tropes, as it were. Exactly. Well, I've um, I've just kind of been burning the candle at both ends recently so i don't know if that's coming across in the uh conversation that y'all are listening to in podcast land um but i'm happy to be here with troy and like uh sharing our ideas about pop culture and kind of like what we're into recently and um yeah, yeah. so this is a good a good half hour or however long we're gonna spend talking yeah we're <laughs> a few minutes in so uh Let's get it started. Well, yeah. I can, I can. So, I've been listening to catching up on a couple of different things. Most recently, I saw I was on Netflix and I saw the Imitation Game uh, just came up on Netflix. Do you know okay. what the Imitation Game is? Uh, it's a film. Yes. Right. Okay. And then one point for you. Okay. And then the only other thing that I can kind of think of is that it's about somebody who's like really smart but really weird. Yes. Or, okay. So, so it's a film. The the other point that I was going to give for you is Benedict Cumberbatch is the main character. Okay. Um and um um uh, blanking on it, the girl in Pirates of the Caribbean, Keira Knightley. Okay. Is um the quote-unquote love interest, which is kind of weird, but it's a Movie that is loosely based on... It's not loosely based. It's based on history. Okay. Essentially, back in World War II, there was the... Germans had this encoding, encryption uh, system called Enigma, and the British and the Allied forces were trying mm-hmm. to crack it. Well, this science, this mathematician by the name of Alan Turing comes along and says, I believe I can come up with a way to crack this system. Yeah. And the whole movie is him basically... Making a computer, which I'd have to, I'd have to actually do my research because I don't think he makes a computer. Yeah, I think they they figure out like they essentially back engineer Enigma enough to figure out how to crack it. Okay, I could be totally wrong on that. Um, <laughs> it's a good plot summary though. I now that you're speaking about it, I am. It's becoming a lot more familiar to me because I know who Alan Turing is, mm-hmm. but most of my um. Most of my familiarity with Alan Turing is his relationship to AI and yes. the Turing test, mm-hmm. but, which um, is so the Turing, which is called what is it? Is it the, the imitation game? The, oh, that's the imitation game. That's okay, the loop around. So that's yeah, where the loop around goes. Okay, so for any um, listeners that aren't familiar with Turing or the Turing test or the imitation game, um, the idea is is that someday AI will become so sophisticated that when somebody is um, chatting with AI, like typing something in and getting a response back, um, they won't be able to guess whether that response is coming from a human or an AI um, like more than 50% of the time. 
So now, like, if anybody's ever used like an uh, a bot, like I used, to, I remember on AOL Instant Messenger, you could talk to bots sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was always really obvious because they could really only give you like trigger responses. But with a the idea is that eventually AI will become so sophisticated that you won't be able to tell the difference. And I I guess for um, Alan Turing, like that was I guess where his um, career kind of branched off to after. Right. Office. Well, so. He did his research back in, obviously, he did it right around World War II. He was around uh, 23 to 26. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say it in the movie. I totally forget his age. Um, But at the time, he was just, he was one of the, he was the first person to come up with the concept of computers being able to have this kind of knowledge. And at that time, they weren't computers. They were just machines. Um, Machines having that kind of knowledge Mm -hmm. because all of the electronics that we have today is all solid space it's done in or solid state it's done in a cpu it's done Mm. in a tiny chip back then it was done by a relay flipping a switch okay so So imagine that's kind of like when you see the things like the old-fashioned punch cards like it sort of had that tied to like an analog technology almost exactly um think of so you think of a light switch Mm -hmm. um it can have two states it can have on or off and you change that state by me as a human flipping it on or off Okay, the original computers, instead of having a human flipping it on and off, had another switch flipping it on and off. Well, what determined that? What was another switch? So you go back far enough with that, that's Mm. where you get to computers. And there's, it starts with somebody, somebody has to put an initial state. So that's your input. Mm. And that'll change the output. So, um, from there vaguely, like, that's where the turn, the computers come from at like their most basic level it's an input being changed into an output that changes a million other so we got a very technical well not very technical (laughs) i think it is one that like a layman can understand and i'm starting i'm kind of like connecting a little bit of dots here like as a as somebody who's more of a like a literary kind of like writer person but i know like when like when you talked about things being on and off that reminded me of a binary code and like ones and zeros and i guess that's kind of like that things got put into the digital right so that's the software end of it but back in the day you didn't have like you didn't have software or code or uh any of the amazing like you know Mm -hmm. ones and zeros we had today you had a light switch being on or off or a switch being on or off and that's how and you'll in the movie they make the character of christopher the uh, the Turing machine mm-hmm. into its like its own character. It's this big machine that takes up like half a room. So he he's like building this machine and like pouring all of himself into it, and it kind of like takes on a personality. Of Correct. Its own. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it's it's done very well in the movie. Yeah. Um, they show and it flashes. The movie flashes back and forth between um, his early childhood mm-hmm. because. Um, his early childhood, like eight, uh, 10, 11, 14, something yeah. like that, to his time in World War II to the present. Because I don't know if you know this about Alan Turing. Um, in his later years, when his 40s, he was convicted of being a homosexual. Yeah, back when it was not okay to be gay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that implication like goes all the way back. And, and like in his early years, he makes this very tight connection with his friend christopher Mm -hmm. as a child and then it goes um and then from there you see in the world war ii time 
Christopher is the name of his machine. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like, almost, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's dragging that through, and it's dragging. <laughs> and so now, that's cool how it weaves these threads through. And I think that, right. like, I think too, when you're, like, when you're making a movie about something very technical or somebody who's like a genius, like I remember, um, mm-hmm. they did this in A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe, but you kind of like you relate to the character through the relationships they have with other people. And so I guess Benedict Cumberbatch, like he has these memories of his childhood and then he has this relationship he creates with the machine. Right. But man, like, so if you, so if this machine, like if it was in a physical space today, like it would be like a room. It would be like the size of this room that we're in. It would be like a, like like 20 by 20 space. Gotcha. It's this huge machine because it's all this, it's all these like mechanical relays, and mm-hmm. when it's it's great because whenever they turn it on, they you know they have to flip three switches on it, and it starts going just clunk, clunk, clunk as all of these switches are turning <laughs> through it, and all these, and you get to see these colorful knobs spinning, and it's it's this mm-hmm. very dramatic experience once they finally turn it on. Yeah. Um, but the whole time it's like, it's this big conflict. They make the movie very emotional. Which is what you know, you need to have to sell yeah. um, a movie nowadays, um, and that like because he's trying to do this and he's he's very bad with people like he can't talk to people or you know yeah and I imagine a lot of the scientific people that are watching this can relate to that fact like that feeling of alienation sometimes from yes people. he's a bit he's he in the movie is so like alienated he's almost um, He's on the verge of like autistic mm-hmm. because he just like he has trouble understanding people's emotions why they're upset about things. Um, okay, so today, unlike today's terms, we might say he has Asperger's or he's somewhere right, on this right. spectrum. Asperger's. Back, that's what I was trying to think. Yeah, of. but back then they were just kind of like he's just a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh man, he just can't talk with people. Mm-hmm. Alan Turing, why are you, why do you not like people so much? Uh, so it's a bit. Um, and I, I'd have to again do my research on Turing, uh, but I don't think he was that, yeah, that um, in like bad with people. I think he was he he clearly wasn't great with people. Um, he was, you know, working on machines. He was, but he was successful enough to get yeah. a doctorate at a young age. And I think too, like sometimes when people have obsessions, they can like devotes so much to that mm-hmm. that it sacrifices like either their relationships in their life or like their ability to interact with people that aren't also involved in that obsession right but, and, and that's why so in the movie that he has his romantic interest uh is Kira Knightley I mean but again he's a homosexual so mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't exactly have that but he has a romantic interest with her because she is on his level in terms of um like mathematical computation. Yeah. Um, there's a beautiful scene early on where he solves this, where she solves this crossword puzzle that he's like, oh, it takes me to solve, uh, it takes me eight minutes to solve this crossword puzzle and he's only going to give these people six minutes so he's, he wants to see how they cross it. She solves it in five and a half minutes. Uh, okay. So it's like that kind of, he has this attachment to her because, oh, she, like, she gets me. She is as smart as I am because he comes into this very pompous. Very much like, I don't need to be here. You guys need me more than I need you yeah. kind of attitude. <laughs> well, uh, it's good to see. I guess you can kind of see, like, his arc develop. Like, he yeah. I guess, learns lessons. And kind of when, when you're um, describing this to me, it almost makes me, like, think about the differences between 
books and movies because I think if you were to read like a three or four hundred page book about this, mm-hmm. then you would be able to kind of like get deep into uh, like more of the factual things and like develop those understandings how he like really related to people and I guess find things mm-hmm. outside of his life that didn't fit into that. But man, when you try to cramming something into a <laughs> the narrative of a movie, I guess part of it is like the challenge for the filmmakers must be how can we simplify these really complex innumerable factual details into something that can be like easy to understand and I guess it's like through emotions and mm-hmm. through like how can we cram all of this man's life into yeah. a two hour movie because that's what they do I mean again yeah. it's his early childhood mid and late yeah. like his late life um, so how do they cram that all into that two hour period well speaking about cramming lifetimes into a movie yeah um, I watched a movie this over the weekend uh, it came out in 2012 it's called Sleepwalk With Me Okay, I've not heard of this one. Okay, so this is a movie about Mike Birbiglia. Um, And if anybody listening to this listens to This American Life, he told a story on This American Life. I think it just came as a recording of his stand-up, but he has a sleep disorder. Okay. It's called REM behavior disorder. Okay. So what is REM behavior? You're just going to guess. (laughs) So REM is rapid eye movement. So does he skip his... REM sleep cycle or is that when he sleepwalks it's when he sleepwalks okay. so basically the idea is with REM behavior disorder is instead of um, being still in your dreams and staying in one place you actually get up and act out your dreams hmm. so this causes problems for him of course mm-hmm. um, and he's kind of slowly discovering this and like he, a lot of the movie he's actually in a lot of the denial about it Um and so there's that aspect of the film, the sleepwalking issues. The other aspect that's really neat is he's trying to be a stand-up comic. Okay. So it's based on his own life, and he's in a relationship. This is a long-term relationship, but um, he's been with the same woman for eight years, and he's in his like late 20s, getting into his okay. early 30s, and they haven't been married. Right. So everybody's thinking, like, what's going on here? Uh-huh. And his like, dad is putting pressure on him, and... um. I know, it's just a really neat, and, and as far as I can tell, it's it's pretty factual, and the and the fact that, um, I don't know if his former, I guess I'm kind of spoiling a little bit, here's yeah. spoilers, people, if you haven't seen Sleepwalk with me, but um, his former fiance must have been okay with him making this movie, or at least, like, he was brave enough to, because uh, it really delves, like, really deep into their relationship, and, like... Okay because she's a little bit more successful than he is in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and he's kind of like has a single mind like kind of with turning he has a single minded obsession with being a stand up and kind of developing that and so it's I don't know it's harrowing watching sometimes um, him follow that obsession so single mindedly but you can also like and I think you can relate to it sometimes if you've ever had an idea that you've been really fixed on right right something that like that's just that's all encompassing it's like this is there are other things going on in the world around me, but I cannot focus on anything but my my work right now or yeah. what I'm doing. Um, I can't think of... I'm sure that's happened to each of us at some point of our lives. I cannot think of a good example for me <laughs> right now. Um, but no, that's really interesting. Like, I've heard of... So, I, of course, I've heard stories of people sleepwalking, but you never hear about, like, yeah, the, the implications that come about behind it. Did, did like... How did he end up resulting? Did he, was he restraining himself? Yeah, did he so, end up restraining himself so that he wouldn't go? Because 
the the first thing that came to mind to me is like, oh man, he almost he he almost mm. jumped out a window or something. Exactly. Well, that's actually what like that's so the This American Life story. Um, that's kind of how I I knew who Mike Birbiglia was already before. I've heard the he was, name. He's also was on um, Bob and Tom a lot in okay. the mornings. So it's like a morning radio show. He's he was a guest comedian on that a lot. Mm. But um. But yeah, so like to actually resolve it, what they do is for one thing, it's like getting better habits. So he used to stay okay. up really late. I guess it, and you like, know, when you're a when yeah, you're a stand up comedian, <laughs> yeah, and like watch TV and like eat big meals before dinner or before sleep, which would kind of exacerbate it. Mm-hmm. But then he would also, um, the, basically, he gets in a big sleeping bag that he sort of like wraps himself up in, and then he puts okay. mitts on. And I guess he eventually gets used to sleeping that way. Hmm. So now if he has this disorder instead of actually getting up and walking around he just sort of like thrashes thrashes a bit in his uh sleeping bag but it's really like the way and the other thing too is like listening to this it sounds like a a really um i don't know like this movie about this guy battling disease and i guess that's part of it is like this sleep disorder that he's dealing with but since he's a stand-up there's also a fair amount of humor in it too oh yeah and so it's not all like doom and gloom like his you get to hear his stand-up bits um mark maron makes a cameo in it okay he kind of plays himself. And the funny thing, too, is, like, they do fictionalize it. So everybody okay. has these really ridiculous names. So Mark Maron becomes Mark Moharan, which I thought was cool. <laughs> well, you, you said... Oh, God, what is his name? Babiglia? But Yeah, it's Burbiglia. Burbiglia. I was mm-hmm. like, that sounds like a name I should remember. Just because it's so... It, it is kind of outlandish. But that yeah. is his actual name. That's his actual name. And um, he also has a more recent movie that came out... Um, called don't think twice so people might have seen trailers or previews for that i think it it's either out right now or has been out for just a little while but it's um it's about the new york improv scene and like being an improv comedian so it kind of does like weave into that art um like that artist aspect Mm -hmm. and um i don't know i think for like because i i consider myself like an artist through my writing and like you know making podcasts and publishing on american fantastic and everything but like there, yeah there really is um it's hard it's hard because i i related to his struggle too because he's a bartender like that's his that's his job that pays the bill but he's also trying to be a stand-up comedian um and i do like i I do basically a desk job at a computer i draft uh maps for telecommunication companies Mm -hmm. where contractors i know it sounds really boring but it lets me listen to music and podcasts and it's fairly low stress but the idea of like having to work a forty hour a week job and then cram everything in to like the rest of your free time and so like even if you can only spend a few hours per week on your art, like you really feel like you have to struggle to like make that time. And I mm-hmm. like and like a lot of movies about artists or films or like books, like I don't know, that seems to be the struggle and like and I think other people are like this too. Like I think athletes get that drive, mm-hmm. especially if you try to be an athlete like on your own time. Like if you're not a collegiate athlete, if, like for you, like with soccer, right? Or people that are really into, um, I don't know, anything. It's like whatever your little activity or hobby outside of your forty-hour week time is. But that's what I was trying to think. It's like, man, you have we have so little time in a week, and for yeah. forty hours to just take up. Such a big chunk of that. I was just trying to figure out. So it's like, so you get what, 148 hours a week? I guess so. It would be seven times 24, which, yeah. Yeah, you know, so 140. 148 hours a week. So you lose 40 of that. So you're losing yeah. almost a third of your week yeah. just at work. You're losing another at least third of it sleeping. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, and that small 
I could do the math, but it's you got like what, like thirty hours, yeah, so thirty you, hours a week. You just have so little time yeah, yeah. to do to do your work, to do like work, to do art, to do the things yeah. you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of frustrating, and you, th- and that always makes me think about like the people that either have the luxury because they you know they worked hard early on, or they just they had some intrinsic talent that they're able to do that as a full-time job yeah it's like oh man to be able to do what you love for 40 hours a week (laughs) oh it seems amazing that seems amazing right now until until i'm sure you're actually doing it's like oh it's such a drag (laughs) well i think for people that are able to make their art and make that their livelihood i think they do still get joy out of creating it is just also too is like there's so many things involved like with the mm-hmm. uh, like with sleep blog with me for example or sleep yeah yes, um, <laughs> so like they show the moments of him like just driving from city to city and gig to gig Ugh. or like dealing with managers and um and so there's like all these things that kind of go in behind the scenes like like not just whatever you're enjoying like as an audience but um that are like kind of like tied up around that mm-hmm. and like for me it can be something like um like time I spend like not just writing stories that I publish, but like all the little editing. Right. Or um, another big thing is like with your, when you're online is like marketing and like, how do you get people to know about all this cool stuff that you're making? And that is a big challenge. And so it's like all these little things that are related to your art, but not necessarily the parts of your art that give you pleasure, like even take it from that time. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I think it's important. Like, I think like, especially for people that enjoy making art to like kind of fight for that time or like fight for whatever it is that makes you feel alive and at peace with yourself. Like it could be cooking, it could be sports or it could be, you know, just whatever gets you, I don't know, a way to put like channel all that energy that's inside of you into a healthy way. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we all get our energy from, from different ways. The, the common one that you'll hear about is uh, the difference between an introvert and an extrovert Mm -hmm. is that an introvert gains energy by being by themselves by being like doing things on their own while an extrovert gets energy from the people around them from being in um like big crowds from talking to people from having people just talking around them so in the same way that translates to you know how we get energy you know it's not just you know are you an introvert are you an extrovert it's do you get energy by solving computational problems (laughs) or by thinking about you know how to describe a bird flying in this yeah. this story you're trying to read. Uh, it's two. It's different ways. And it's very dependent on who the person is, on how they get energy in their life. Yeah, I agree with that. Like things that you kind of like how you express yourself and how you um like if it's gonna give you joy to exert something. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I also like like when you're talking about um like hours per week. I know with me it's really difficult. Like I. Like, as a role-playing gamer, I often mm-hmm. relate it to mana. Yeah. And so sometimes it's like, I'll have enough physical stamina. Like, I'm not falling asleep or I'm not, um, you know, feeling like I'm just going to... My body's going to break down or anything. But I'll feel like it's sort of, like, emotionally or spiritually drained. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, I just need to... Uh, <laughs> I just need to not. Yeah. Can I just not today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever whatever needs to be done, can uh-huh. I just not do that? Exactly. And I think with like with uh, artists or like creative people, what is like a big struggle is like when you feel that way, 
um, still getting content. Yeah, like pushing that, pushing yourself through that, and um, and like trying to create something. But then the other flip side of that, and I can speak like firsthand experience about this too, is like and like in Sleepwalk with me, and I'm sure in um, the Imitation Game at some point too, it's like you can keep pushing and pushing and like focusing on that obsession, mm-hmm. but then eventually you also have to think about like the relationships you have in your life or um, like the job that you has, have that pays the bills. And like at some point you do have to kind of pull back because, I mean, I think that's why so many, like there's a lot of artists and musicians and like people that you hear mm-hmm. about, like they either die young mm-hmm. or they get involved in substance abuse issues. And I think part of it is just dealing with that like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I saw a comic on the internet at one point that was, it was a conversation between three like, I had to guess like mid 20 year olds. And one of them goes, uh, one of them starts the comment with, uh, guy, I wish I was rich, or I wish I had a lot of money, or something like that. And the, the guy next to him goes, well, why why don't you? He's like, well, I mean, I just haven't had that opportunity. He's like, no, you, you've, had, you've had opportunities. You could work, you know, two jobs, three jobs. You could work your ass off. You could go to college while you're doing this, too. You could be rich by this point. But is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it worth it to sacrifice the relationships you have in your life, to sacrifice any kind of free time, any kind mm-hmm. of hap- like potential happiness you may have at that time for that, you know, for whatever you think your goal, your yeah. that goal could be. And it's, you know, it's the things you do, the things you do at this time, like in, in the short term and how they affect the long term it's hard for us to see see those at the yeah. time. That doesn't make much no, sense. No, I get but... what you mean. Like, you're putting all this investment in, but you don't exactly know how it's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. And, it... and the sacrifices you have to make at the time is just not worth it. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, too, like, for artists or people, like, it's cert- or, like, even other people, it's just, like, the accomplishment you, you look back on. So for an artist, it might be, like, something you created or, like, if you're a chef, it's, like, this thing you cooked or, um, I don't know, it could be any kind of accomplishment, but it's, like... I, I think, like, probably what drives those people, too, is, like, their identity gets so wrapped up in um, mm-hmm. how they define themselves as that artist or as that person, so they keep pushing, and it's so hard to let go or even pull back a little. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, Troy, I feel like this conversation has been very therapeutic and illuminating. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I know, I know you, yeah, you did say you had a rough day, so I hope th- I hope this helped and, yeah. you know, get helps like get some of that energy either back or out or wherever it needed to go yeah i think i think it was good and i hope you guys enjoyed listening to um so what troy and i talked about today is uh two films uh the imitation game yes the imitation game uh came out in i think 2013 okay um uh, since 2013 2014 uh big cast benedict cumberbatch uh Keira knightley uh good classic like big big movie yeah. but it also has if if you like the science the sciencey stuff or the math stuff, it has some of that too. Exactly, and um and I talked about Sleepwalk with Me, um with stars Mike Birbiglia and a few other people, but I don't know their names. Um, <laughs> it's really good. You can find it on Netflix now, or if it's not up on Netflix anymore, it should be fairly easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you dig around for things. Well, uh, Troy, uh, that's it for this episode of Hip Square. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, it's a great time. Uh, we had some good chats, some good words to say. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Toodles. Toodles.